Hello and welcome back to the Sticks Golf Podcast. This week we are debuting our new roundtable series where Trey, myself, and John Rosenstock will be talking all things golf and recapping some of the PGA Tour events from the week before. But before we get started, I want to do a brief ad read for our main sponsor, Swing U. Swing U Premium, the world's most comprehensive golf game improvement app with the industry's easiest to use on-course GPS, scorecard, strokes gained, and stat features. And now with the all-new Swing U Versus, allowing you to compare every part of your game to a Tor Pro. With the easiest to use strokes gained stat system, you'll receive a relative handicap for driving, approach shots, chipping, pitching, and bunker play. After each round, Strokes Gained Analysis gets a personalized game improvement priority and prescriptive drills. Whether you're on the course or at home, premium subscribers get anytime, anywhere access to SwingU's massive on-demand library of lessons and drills from world-class golf instructors. Join SwingU Premium today and start shooting lower scores. All right, guys, first podcast of 2022. This is going to be our new Sticks Golf Roundtable. We've got Trey, myself, and our resident golf writer, John Rosenstock, who is now going to be an integral part of our podcast team. So, John, you want to introduce yourself to the people? Yeah, thanks a lot, Tom and Trey. It's uh, great great to be a part of Sticks and excited to be a part of the roundtable. So, um, some of you guys might have seen some of my recent write ups on Banda Dunes and Pinehurst and I'm looking forward to contributing to the pod uh, going forward as well. Um, Tell us a bit about your golf background. You played college golf. You're from where? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I grew up in uh, Midlothian, just outside of Richmond, Virginia, and played college golf at Longwood University. And after that, I I had that little bit of burnout period where I didn't really feel like playing or taking the game too seriously too much. So um, caddied for a couple years out at Kenlock Golf Club. and Not a bad um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was great. I mean, that actually introduced me to um, what good golf really is. You know, I, it's funny thinking back to high school and college. I really never played that many great golf courses. I wasn't really exposed to it. Um, but caddying at Kenlock, meeting those members, getting to go on some trips and see great, truly great golf courses is what kind of opened my eyes a little bit. Um, so, but I really didn't play a whole lot in my 20s at all. Um, whatever disposable income I had seemed to kind of find its way uh, through the bar scene and the fan in Richmond and uh, not, not so much to the golf course, but uh, around age, (laughs) around age 30, I kind of settled down on that a little bit and really got the golf bug again. So I've been, uh, you know, playing a lot of amateur golf, a lot of mid-am golf um, over the last few years. Um, Got to play my first USGA championship out in Colorado in 2019 um, you know, won a couple city mid am. So, um, it's kind of funny, you know, I have like, I, I have just have this acceptance now in mid am golf that, um, 80% of the tournaments I play, I'm probably not going to be too happy with the way I, with the way I finish it off. But hey, if you clip off a win or two a year, it's, it's been a fun year. It's been a good year. So awesome. I've just, I've just come to a, a, you know, a state of acceptance that my game is not never going to be super consistent working a nine to five job, but I, I enjoy competing when I can. And, if you get, if you get hot a couple weeks a year, it was a good year. Yeah. I feel like that's the Kevin not approach. I mean, I feel like, I, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like he just the like Matt gets yeah, the Matt every, the Matt every is perfect. You know, you just show up a couple weeks, you might MC, but then you might get hot at Bay Hill and like, and you're win. having a good time and you're Matt having Everett a great time. So I'm getting better every year at enjoying the mediocre golf, you know, oh. some, some tournaments I might be 74, 75, not in contention. I still find a way to have a good time. Um, you know, still get frustrated. Like, I mean, it's golf, but yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying just sort of low key mid am golf uh, from here on out. Really? So. Well, John, cheers. Yeah. Well, cheers. Let's, let's, let's kick it off. I've got a uh, Kona big wave and awesome. Shout out to Curtis Thompson. Who's in Hawaii right now struggling, but he's out so there, he's out there grinding. I got a Jack and ice. Oh yeah. What, what did you mix that with Tom? Uh, ice. 
<laughs> Good deal. I've got a little blade and bow here. Um, only thing it's mixed with is a couple ice cubes, so we're in good yeah, shape. You guys are tougher than I am, for sure. Well, we're going to start off the roundtable this uh, this week with a little recap of kind of some important things that we thought went on in 2021, and then we're going to kind of give a little hint into what's coming on in 2022. So, John, let's get into it. What do you got? Yeah, so, um, you know, like I said, some of you guys, if you know me from Sticks Golf, you know I like to write uh, golf course reviews and write about experiences. Um, so I've been super interested to follow all the, um, reopenings, the, the, the new destination, uh, golf course, um, you know, destinations that are, that are popping up on the scene. Uh, but really we've entered like a, a golden age of restoration and renovation. If you think about it, um, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of golden age classics are, are, you know, being reworked, redone. And, um, there's just a lot of, um, exciting stuff out there. And, um, one, uh, that, you know, I did get to play, um, most recently was, was Southern Pines. So Southern Pines, as some of y'all know, is, uh, in the, in the Pinehurst area. And, um, it, it was really just more of a local haunt until like the everyday man Pinehurst. Yeah. Yeah. It was yes. like the locals spot is what I understood it by. It was like the guys exactly. that were going out to play four weren't playing two, weren't playing eight. There's the guys that were local. They were playing. It seven. was like, it was like 40 to, to 60 bucks. Yeah. Right. And, but it, you know, and it had great bones cause it was a 1906 Donald Ross course, but you know, it hadn't really been taken care of the way it should have. And um, Kyle France who actually worked directly for uh, Bill Corr and Ben Crenshaw in the Piners number two restoration. Mm-hmm. He uh, came to Kelly Miller back around 2010, 2011 and proposed uh, restoring pine needles, oh, mid pines. And so he did both of those and those went so well. Pine needles and mid pines are obviously now like, you know, doing fantastic. And they're about to have the U S women's open or just had it. It's one of the two. They're about to 2022. Okay. Yeah. This summer. So they're going to have their fourth U S women's open. Um, and I, you know, um, basically Southern Pines was owned actually by the local Elks Lodge, if you can believe that. Um, and you know, it wasn't, didn't really have the attention or the money to do any sort of great restoration. Well, uh, Kelly Miller and his group that owned mid pines and pine needles bought Southern Pines from the Elks Lodge hired, um, Kyle Franz who did mid pines and pine needles. Yeah. To come over and do Southern Pines. And he did a fantastic job. It is so rugged. It's so fun. And just, it's Does it got, look a I bit think, like number two? It's like number two, but really hilly. I, I don't think there's a course in that area that has more elevation change. Yeah. Cause it's pretty, I mean, I, I mean, I've played, I used to go for spring break trips at when I played golf at tech, we would go for a week and we would play pine needles and mid pines. And uh, if we got over to CCNC, that was great, but that was like a treat. Cause that place is unbelievable, but, uh, but no mid pines. And, and then there was another like nine holes that was, that was owned by the Elks Lodge that was like abandoned. Correct. Like in it's, that same area. Yeah. It's still abandoned. In fact, I, uh, poked, poked my way over there. Uh, there's basically, you could see like a, a, a golf hole off to the side, you know, the, the, yeah. the bones of a golf hole, but it's just evergreen grass. I think it's used by the local high school track team. Is like yeah, their I was, track, I was yeah. say, I'm pretty sure that they still yeah. have one mower that goes like in the middle yeah. of all the holes and just kind so, of goes through. Look, there's talk that, that, uh, Hey, you know, I think they're definitely in conversations about possibly um, restoring that as well and turning it into another nine holes out there, which would be awesome. I mean, dude, Pinehurst is just such a good golf area. I, I think that any blade of any piece of grass that's got a cup and a stick in it is just going to do well in Pinehurst. Like I don't foresee any like golf course that would do poorly. I can't, I can't imagine with that oh, atmosphere. Yeah. What it, what it really has going for it is it's built on sand. Right. And this huge trend of, you know, every, every golf course developer and golf course architect right now is looking for sites on sand, mm-hmm. you know, abandoned dunes kind of really started that trend. Like that's what gives you that true links feel um, most of our golf in America, unfortunately, is built on clay um, and, you know, can get really soft and you got to water the hell out of it. And Pinehurst is just not that way. It's built on built on an old sand dune. And 
So you get those nice firm conditions year round. And uh, that's what makes Pinehurst and now Southern Pines really special. In the Southeast United States, it kind of goes from, it starts in Pinehurst. It goes kind of Southwest through like Aiken across like Northwest South, South Carolina into Georgia through Augusta, where it's just like some of my favorite golf, like my favorite golf course anywhere. Um, Palmetto is the same way on sand. Like there's that whole just area that just has the right dirt and it makes such a difference. Yeah, I've never played Palmetto and I want to play it so bad. Me too. Me too. That looks awesome. My buddy Chad played it a few years ago and sent me some photos. It looked pretty awesome. Yeah. The only thing I know is I watched, uh, the only thing I know about that place, they had the Palmetto land there. And I remember I watched one of the Barstool episodes and they played against Kisner and Frankie uh-huh. hit water off the tee. And that's fucking pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> that's a terrible golf shot. Yeah. I ho- and I hope somehow he hears this and it's a terrible golf shot. You should be <laughs> sad that you hit it there. Kisner also, he got in trouble there for like, they were like racing carts in a Barstool video. He got, yeah, he got, it wasn't a Barstool video. It, it, it was a vice, vice. Vice. That's what it was. Yeah. They got, got I remember that. I remember yeah. that. That was a long time ago. That was a great video too. I remember watching that video on YouTube and I loved it. I was like, oh, Palmetto's sick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know exactly what y'all are talking about. He's, he's the just video. there, just hanging out. Like, he lives on, he the, lives on the course. Yeah. Lives, I have a, a, a quick story about I was playing the college tournament there and it was my first time there. I'm in the in the ferry bunker that is bordering his yard. And I didn't know it was his yard. And it looked <laughs> just like four-year-old girl just runs out into the fairway, maybe 50 yards behind me. I like back off my shot and like then step back into it, hit it on the green. And then this guy who I didn't see just goes, nice shot. And I was like, oh, thanks. And we get up on the green and the, and the kid I was playing with, he goes, so that was Kevin Kisner. I was like, no way. <laughs> Would have gone back there and, and thanked him yeah, for a little I, longer. <laughs> I just shook his hand. Like, yeah. What? Uh, so yeah, he, but he's just there chilling and he, he just walks over the range and his ball is there. It's, it's a That's cool place. Awesome. Cool place. But it's, it's in that same area where it's just, you have these rolling hills, sand everywhere. You don't really have rough. You just kind of got natural area. That's my favorite kind of golf. Just now. Yeah. What are some of the restorations that you're excited for in 2022? Well, I'll just real quick, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll share some other ones that opened in 2021. Oh, yeah. that I thought were pretty cool. So, so Baltusrol, which uh, has the upcoming 2023 women's PGA and 2029 oh. men's PGA. Um, Gil Hance redid the lower course there. Um, that's a, you know, obviously famous course. They've had four us opens and two PGAs in the past. It's an AW tilling has course. Um, so, you know, really excited to get to see, uh, what he's done there. Also Gil Hans, he's a busy man. Him and Jim Wagner partnered up and, uh, did a restoration up at Oakland Hills, which should be, um, which should be great. And then congressional, have you guys seen the transformation yeah. at Congo? Yeah. It's oh my number, God. Number 10 is on the other side of the water. It's like a short downhill, like kind of banking left par three with this nasty little pop bunker on the right and water, right. And it looks so sick. Yeah. So sick. I think it looks great. I've, I've had two just from being uh, at the place where I caddied, there's a couple of members and then we have a couple of friends who are, mm-hmm. who are members there. And I've gotten two separate answers. The old, the old school members, the longtime members, I heard one guy say they've ruined it. And <laughs> of course. The other guy say that it's just now it's not congressional, but our young friends, the yeah. good players, the kids who are shooting under par, they love it. They think it's super tough. They think it's so, it's just a really, really good change. They moved the tee on 18 back like 30 yards. It's already like an incredibly hard golf hole. Yeah. Yeah. They did like well, change the green a little bit, I think. But I'll tell you what, I don't think any of the old guard could really argue with the positive that the main positive they did there. Um because I the one time I played there, I played there in the Mid-Atlantic AM in 2017, yeah. I think. And um it was so cool, but it was stopping wet. Yeah. It was, mm. it was you know, they had had a, a decent amount of rain, not a ton of rain, but a decent amount of rain leading up to the tournament. And I was talking to a couple of members and they were like, Yeah, that's the one thing about this place. It's a beautiful course. It's you know, the conditions amazing, layout's amazing. They said, but it doesn't drain. Pretty, it doesn't drain, right? So um Andrew Green and his team came in and just cleared the hell out of it. They they opened it wide open. And that's probably partly what some of these the older members don't like is it looks a lot different because of that, right? Like you don't have the same sight lines and it's more of a wide open property versus a tree line property. Mm-hmm. But they kind of had to do that to to get rid of, you know, to get more airflow and to get the course bouncing and rolling a little bit more. And then the one thing I noticed. Uh, that was cool what you mentioned about the the holes being changed. I hadn't really um, 
looked into that as much as just looking at before and after photos. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that they kind of did this cool blend between um, rugged and like sharp edge bunkers and a little bit more of a rugged aesthetic, but also blending that in with like the beautifully manicured lush bent grass fairways, you know, so it's kind of this cool contrast. I mean, it just looks, you know, like I said, when I played in 2017, I thought it was awesome. The only thing I didn't like was it was soft. And soft. now I'm thinking, wow. Hey, you basically got the same course, but it's a little more open and you're going to have firmer conditions year round. So that, that one's really exciting. I think I'm, I'm and, sure and they got to do, they're trying to prevent another, you know, when Rory did what he did there, that, was definitely not a good thing yeah. for future events at that golf course because yeah. if, they, if, if you have a, a, a one day of rain, it's all of a sudden yep. extremely easy. So what, like, what did he shoot? I don't know, but it was deep. It was he, he won. He won by a bunch. Did he won by like twelve? No, he won by eight. I think eight. Okay. I, I was I was going to yeah. say around ten, but yeah, that's eight sounds right. I was actually there on. I went to the Friday round of that. Did um, you really? Yeah, yeah. My dad and so lucky. My buddy Brett Chambers. Shout out Big City. <laughs> shout out Big City. You <laughs> yeah, know what's funny? Boy. I've actually never been to a PGA Tour golf tournament in my life. Huh? No, no. So like, so I, I have <laughs> to caveat this. I have to caveat this. I've been to the Monday of the Masters. I went to the Monday of the Masters. That's my- a weird like. Ben one Cam- and only event to have been yeah, to, yeah, like what? right. A lot of people have been to like the three M <laughs> Open, but they've never been to Augusta. <laughs> exactly. So I've so I used to be like when I was playing junior golf and like I thought I was hot shit. I was like, I'm not going to go to Augusta. I'm not going to go to any tournament until I play. It's like I want to play in it, and that was just a big headed, stupid thing of me to say because you just got to go to Augusta. Augusta is amazing. But so we with uh, we play in or Tech played in Augusta State's golf tournament, you know, every year. And the tee gift, like yeah. you know, you play in college golf tournaments, get a tee gift, whether it be like a little speaker or like a shirt or something. Well, that one hoodie, yeah, yeah hoodie. But that one is probably the best in golf. You the get tickets, you get tickets to the Monday of the Masters. That's incredible. So I got to walk around the, at Augusta, and I got you know I spent way too much money in the pro shop, and you know hung out and maybe snuck a beer or two and I was, wasn't supposed to, but it was amazing, but I've never actually been to an actual PGA tour event. And that was the closest thing that I've ever seen to like PGA tour conditions. So like now when I think, Oh, well, so it's going to be PGA tour conditions somewhere. I'm just completely let down because Augusta is Augusta, which is kind of funny, but I'm yeah, sure. Honestly, you know, Honda this year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's 25 minutes. Down. We, should, we should be able to get to the Honda. I'd love yeah. to get to Honda. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I've been to a lot. I've actually been to three U.S. Opens um, and one Masters practice round with my dad. Um, my dad put in, uh, there was a lottery at his work and he worked there for 42 years. And he must have put in for that lottery, like all 20 years it was available to him, where they had like six tickets for the company. You know, it was like a thousand person company. And he never freaking got it. Never won the little work lottery to get to go. So uh, 2016, he was retiring. He just said, John, I'm tired of this shit. We're going. So we, <laughs> we stub hub tickets. And I'm not going to lie. We stub hub these tickets for Tuesday practice round. We're like walking up to the gate. I didn't want to make him nervous, but I was kind of wondering, like, I hope these things scan right. Like, I hope these work, you know? We made it all the way here, but Dude, you never know. You don't now, know what you got online. I mean, it was a piece of paper. You know, yeah, now you kinda... gotta make sure it's like an NFT. Make yeah. sure it's you know it's like solid. It's got blockchain, all that shit. But Trey had a a, a fun little master's tidbit this year from his granddad. Yeah, we were just sitting at Christmas. We had done presents. We had done the whole deal. We're maybe an hour's gone by, and we're just sitting on the couch. And my granddad's like, "Oh, I meant to tell you, I won the master's lottery this year. Guys, I put it in thirty-one years in a row, and this year I won. I got Wednesday practice round tickets. I was like." unbelievable I, i'm like what, what? incredible and he goes yeah well, I'm, I'm giving them to you and your brother you're going i was just like what, what are you just just gonna spring this on me like we're just that's fantastic casually that's awesome. yeah i'm going on wednesday this year i'm pumped to watch the part three course and um you can bring cameras on the practice rounds so correct yep look out for some, a, some, some footage. sticks footage yep. coming your I took, way i took a really cool digital camera there because you can't take your cell phone in but you could take a, a digital camera so. i think by the way i think that rules just like Maybe it's not in the practice round. You can bring your phones in because I 100% have my phone the entire time I was at Augusta. Oh, yeah, I think you're supposed to. And it actually, I actually love that rule because <laughs> everyone, I love that rule too. 
I don't know how you got it in there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I just I know for a fact you can't even it. bring it in. Yeah, apparently. No. And they're always watching and listening. So Tom, you're probably barred for life. Yeah, point. probably. But, uh, no, but uh, actually, I think it's uh, I think it's awesome because if you think about it, you look at you know the fans in the background of PGA Tour event now, and everybody's holding their phone and everybody's looking at their phone. You get to Augusta, and it's like it's already such a mythical, like amazing place, and everyone you don't have your phone, right? So everyone's locked in, everyone's zoned in. Um, just watching the golf, looking at the golf course. So yeah. I think it's actually, if there's one place in the world, I'm totally fine with leaving my phone in the car. That's it. Yeah. I'd, I'd agree with that. Even though I didn't do it. Yeah. So just, I'll just run through a couple more. Um, oh, so Andrew green who did congressional, um, I just saw the other day. Um, he's sort of looked at as like the Donald Ross renovation doctor. Um, Congressional is not actually a Donald Ross course. It's a Devereaux Emmett design from the golden age. But um, Andrew Green just got hired to renovate Eastlake, which I think is great because Eastlake has had Reese Jones under contract for like 20 years. And a lot of golf course architecture buffs and a lot of critics, you know, really don't like what he's done with the course. They say he's really taking a lot of the character out of it. Um, they've terminated the, uh, Reese Jones contract. Andrew Green's going to come in, and I think he's going to do great things at East Lake, which will be great for the for the you know tour championship going forward. Um, and then a little bit more, um, you know, thinking more about not necessarily a restoration, but a couple things that caught my eye from a reimagination or a, you know, you know, a reinvention, if you will. Um, the Love Golf Design Team, which is Davis Love, his, his brother Mark, and uh, Scott Sherman, who used to be Pete Dye's right-hand man, they've been on a tear doing some great work. And um, they actually um, totally rerouted Birdwood, which is up in Charlottesville. It's UVA's home course. UVA actually owns it. Um, Birdwood was already a pretty good golf course, so I was a little skeptical when I heard they were going to tear it up and basically start over. But I got to play this spring outside of like two or three holes where I think they, you know, got a little goofy. It's really good. It's really pretty. They put in Zoysia fairways. It's nice and firm. Um, and it's, it's, they put in some really cool, like, um, water features and it's just, it's, it's great. I think they did a great job with Birdwood. And one thing they did was take some of the extra land they had available from the reroute and create a six hole part three course, which is honestly, the best part three course I've played outside of the preserve at Bandon, which is obviously just kind of on another level, but these six, but these six holes at Birdwood, they're only about, you know, 90 to 130 yards, but it's a really pretty cool little walk. And the holes actually have a lot of architectural integrity. I think they did an awesome job with that. And that kind of segues in. Have you guys ever played Birdwood? So I was, so I had a couple of things I want to say. One, I wanted to ask you, Am I wrong by sex? I can't remember if I'm thinking of the right place. I'm thinking of Bird. Is Birdwood the one that's right across the street from Farmington? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Wasn't correctly. Weren't, yeah. Weren't there like a couple of funky tee shots of that golf course before they redid it? Yeah, you could say that. Like there was yeah. a couple like weird ones like up like uh, I remember like up the hill on it was like the dog leg left to right with like a massive tree on the left, like just a couple like funky yeah. things like that. Yeah, I you could probably say that. Would they, would they let you play there, Tom? Fuck no. They Be, being a hokey golfer. Fuck, fuck no. They, they'd kick me out the second they saw the hokey bird. <laughs> you kidding? They, they wouldn't allow me to step foot. Oh, I didn't. I was, I was forgetting a reference. Those are banned from, the, from Birdwood for sure. Yeah. yeah. Especially yeah. with yeah. UVA. That, that robbery runs. There's that, that's, deep. A, that's a cutthroat one that's for a sure. Deep that's, I, I honestly could see that potentially being the case. No, I. Where I, if you if you were like, hey, I I would like to. Come the out only play. person that would be allowed to play there that was a Virginia Tech athlete would be Mark Lawrence, and yeah. because Mark Lawrence because Mark Lawrence runs Virginia State golf. Yes. That's just worshipped. He's just loved and worshipped by every single person. That's As he should be. Class. He should be. Shout out Mark Lawrence, MLJ, great guy. Shout out my old roommate who I love to Your death. Old roommate, I love to give an immense amount of shit to. I love him very right. much. You got to. You got to keep him in his place, right? <laughs> but then the other thing I was gonna say was I love. The fact that I didn't know about the par three course, the six holes. I didn't know that. And I think that's awesome because I think that especially like we were at PGA national, uh, what, like a month ago. Yeah. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Um, when they, they know what it's, it's called the, it's called the, the pelican. Staple. 
Oh, the staple. Cause so I think the guy's last name was staple yeah. um, who built it. It's it's, is it nine holes? It's nine holes. It's, it's nine, nine holes. Yeah. No tee boxes. What I'd, I'd love to see. Multiple. No, 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 no. So the, the no, match course is the one with no tee boxes. There's same on the staple. There's no, oh, the there's, the there's no tee markers. There's a, there's a bunch of teeing areas. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's, I think it's really cool. It's definitely a new take and you can play it from wherever you want. We had, I mean, we were out there for a while. It's, I was not awesome. even close to finished with, with the, all the shots I wanted out there. It's, it's got like a bunch of kind of small, like the greens are small. It's got like small features, but it's, it's really, really cool. They've done a good job. I just think the idea of having a short course, maybe it's not a par three course. Maybe it's just like an executive nine holes is just such a great way to grow the game. And, and I think that for anyone that is building a golf course or doing a restoration, if you can find the land and the time to put that in, I think that's only going to do volumes. There, they're all doing it, man. I've, I've read and heard so much about any course that has the money and has the space. They are working on a par three course or a putting course or something extra. Because um, like you said, and I, I wrote about this in my abandoned piece, it serves multiple functions so well, right? Like you just mentioned, great entry point to the game, right? Great for kids, great for families. Um, also great for elderly, you know, 90 year old people still love golf, right? I mean, what's better than 600 yard holes for a 90 year old that still wants to get out there. Mm -hmm. Um, but also, you know, the post round hang, right? Like you just came off 18, you want to throw some more money around, have a couple more beers. It's perfect for that. So yeah, I mean, it's perfect. And it's also great practice. You're getting yeah, to practice for a place for like, too, yeah. yeah, for a place like Bandon for when you have to do, you know, the, what is it like four or five hour drive from the nearest, uh, no, you, we flew into, uh, Coos Bay, which is like 40 minutes away. Oh, oh okay. Well, Most people fly into, well, it's kind of varying now, but you can fly to Eugene's two and a half hours, or you can fly to Portland. That's like five hours or San Fran's like five hours. Well, I, I was just saying that it's a great thing for like, if you, you know, your flight lands at 12 and you get there, you know, three or four, go play nine holes that first day you're there, just get some golf in. That's, that's what we did. Yeah. We, um, we flew out to Bandon and even with two layovers, you know, you get three hours back going to the West coast. And we, even with two layovers and a long travel day, we got, we got all 13 holes on the uh, preserve preserve in, and uh, it was, it was unbelievable, man. The sun was setting over the Pacific. I will literally never forget that. I mean, it was, it was like a dream, especially when like, you know, when you fly somewhere you fly a long way away and it's like, you're kind of already in like kind of this daze or this haze from a long travel day, maybe a few drinks on the plane. And then, you know, it's like, wait, I woke up in my bed in Richmond and here I am. It's somehow the same day. And I'm, you know, playing the preserve at Bandon, watching the sunset over the Pacific. You gotta awesome. pinch yourself sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. Life is, you know, real. Um, so real quick then just um oh they also did uh they did a punting course up there, although I'll say it's not the most impressive. It's cool because it's right off of the bar like veranda area at Birdwood. Um and it's cool to have a punting course, but um it really just looked like a giant putting green. They didn't put a lot of you know, into it. stuff. Actually, we uh, we've just been we've been designing a chipping course in our garage recently, <laughs> and uh, genuinely, I feel yeah, like we have. We have. Yeah. And and we've. we've I asked my fiance if I could do that. She she put the kibosh. On well, the after this is over, I'll like Facetime you. And I'll bring you out to the garage. <laughs> no, we we've put some thought into it. We put like some mounds and some ridges. And we honestly like making a short course is not easy because you have to make it somewhat resemble like, like a putting course. If it resembles real golf, like kind of what Tiger's been trying to do with the top strokes, but I think yeah. it's really, really cool. And it's a different, a different challenge. Well, for, for sure. everybody listening, we did not buy a turf green. We yeah. did not do any of those things. What we are talking about is a mattress pad that we have cut holes in yep. and then put foam pieces underneath to now then make some, undulation. Some slope. Yeah. And we've got some backstops. We got, it's, it's pretty fun. It's not bad. We, gotta, we have maybe have a, a sticks golf game coming out uh, potentially <laughs> down the road. Like it's still in, still in like prototype that. phase, but I've, I've been giving it some thought. For I, sure. I don't. I don't hate that idea. Could be cool. Um, yeah. So same design team. Love love golf. Uh, a project near and dear to my heart. I'm on the local uh, first tee board here in Richmond, and they also came down to Richmond and restored a AW Tillinghouse course, Belmont. Mm -hmm. Um, for the first tee, there was a major benefactor, uh, who saved Belmont basically single-handedly, um, quick backstory, just cause it's, it's pretty cool. So Belmont was a Muni here in Richmond, 
but its history actually began as Hermitage Country Club, which most people know, you know, in Virginia, know Hermitage Country Club um, as it stands now out in uh, Mannequin Sabbath, 20 miles west of the city. But Hermitage actually started at what is now Belmont, um, and it's the only course in Virginia to host a major championship, which is cool, but also kind of sad. I'm like, how have we only had one major in Virginia? But uh, neither here nor there. So the 1949 PGA was at Belmont of course. Um, when it was still Hermitage. Sam Sneed won. They also held a PGA event in 1945 called the, the Richmond Open that Ben Hogan won. Um, on, the, on the leader, on, the, on the, the trophy there at Belmont. That's unreal. And get this, on top of that, the original design was A.W. Tillinghast, who did Wingfoot, who did Beth Page Black, who did Baltusrol. And it was um, actually tweaked. The greens were tweaked and sort of a couple other little minor adjustments were made by Donald Ross. So here's this Muni, guys, that two years ago was about to become a parking lot and a and a and a they were Henrico County was proposing, you know, apartments basically, or and shopping mall, you know, whatever. Like they were just gonna, they were gonna bulldoze it. And this little golf course has Tillinghast, Donald Ross, Ben Hogan, Sam Snead tied to it. And thank God, uh, a gentleman who um, uh, I believe has remained anonymous, although a lot of people around town know who it was, came in with a, a three or four million dollar donation. Wow. to the first tee to take it over and restore it. And then there was a controversial thing that happened. So before it was just an 18 hole golf course, no driving range, one little putting green. That was it. Right. And it was in horrendous shape. When I say horrendous shape, I mean, the bunkers were rock beds. The greens were running about a four. I mean, I actually went out because I wanted to see how bad it had gotten, right? And I went out and played nine, like, before they shut it down and put the RFP out. And um, How much did you pay? Oh, gosh. I mean, probably 15, 20 bucks to walk okay. nine. I mean, at, at least it was that much. It was, like, you know, 30 for 18 or something. But it it was sad. When you think about the, the pedigree of the design and, and the history with Sneed and Hogan, and here's this thing that just looks like absolute garbage. Well, the controversial thing was, so the great thing was the benefactor and other donations associated with the first tee, they saved it, right? But they said, we're not just going to restore the 18 holes. We got a whole new idea. So they took the first, what was the first six holes, they saved holes seven through 18, which now makes up a 12-hole golf course. It's an executive course. Essentially. Um and where the first six holes used to be, you now have a driving range, which they didn't have before, a wedge range, two short game chipping greens, a small practice putting green, a massive putting course, 18-hole putting course that is actually larger than the one at Pinehurst, if you can believe that. Which is like... Have you ever seen that? Enormous. And a six-hole and a six-hole par three course which is actually replicas of famous Tillinghast holes, such as number seven at Wingfoot and a hole at San Francisco Golf Club. They're sort of like miniature versions. So like, for instance, seven at Wingfoot's like 180 yards and the replica at Belmont's like 110 yards, but it's got the same bunkering and green shape. And so, like, so, I mean, what a cool project. There's a lot of, you know, I, I was part of the Save Belmont um Facebook group and, you know, sort of just following that. And there's a lot of the old guard who were, you know, who are still bitter about losing their 18 hole golf course. And I get it. Yeah. In a way we lost and, you know, the historic full 18 hole golf course, but go out there on a freaking Wednesday night and see kids hitting balls, playing the putting course, playing the part three. You got buddies out there drinking, playing music, having fun on the 12 hole course and tell me that wasn't like the best idea of all time. I mean, so basically what you're saying is we now need to go do a sticks golf episode at Belmont is what you're saying. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That sounds summer. unbelievable. And they've gotten a lot of coverage, which is great. Uh, Matt Janella came and did a, a fire pit thing there. And um, the USGA did a video there, but what, but what, 
Well, what we need to do is, um, so everything that's been covered so far, I would say is really first tee focus. And I love that. I'm a first tee, you know, board member, but I want to showcase what a cool day it is for like four buddies to go out there and have some fun, you know, because it really provides that sort of abandoned Pinehurst experience in a public setting um, or truly, you know, they're public, but you know what I mean? Um, So it's, it's awesome. I'm a huge fan. I, you know, I'm constantly, um, I, you know, trying to raise money and, and sharing, you know, sharing it with friends and family. And it, anyway, that is, uh, you know, that is a trend you will continue to see. Brent Schneider told me he's the, uh, the CEO of, uh, first tee greater Richmond. He says he fields about one call a week from golf developer, golf developers, municipality, uh, managers who run golf courses, who, are interested in learning more about this model, right? So they've got, think about, you know, golf courses that are under pressure financially. Maybe they've got 18 holes um, and they're like, do we, do we, do we bulldoze it and sell it or do we keep it and continue to lose money? Well, how about sell some of the land and create something like Belmont with the land you have left? Mm -hmm. I think that is something you're going to see more and more and more. Um, And actually uh, I found a similar example uh, City Park Golf Course in Denver. They, um, I think, they turned their original 18-hole routing into a um, a 12-hole routing and a four-hole short course in a range. So it's just, it's. I think it's cool. It's great for the game, um, and I think you'll continue to see more of it. That makes um, sense for like sort of middle golf. Obviously, you know, the the highest end properties have either had the land or the money to do that, regardless. But if there's a lot of places that are sort of stuck in the middle of you know being affordable and decent. You know, and that, that seems like a really cool option, but multiple revenue streams and, you know, it creates a, a bunch of different spaces for people to just be out there versus just no having an average golf course. There's just so many of those that are just around that are forgettable and creating a new experience would definitely be interesting for some of these places. Yeah. For, for a guy with a lackluster wedge game, I'm all about short courses, <laughs> you know? So like, you know, the, the, the more, <laughs> the more, yeah, like I'll, I'll go lose 20 bucks on a short course, but I'll have fun doing it. Like yep. I love short courses. Exactly. Right? Exactly. <clears throat> well, well, look, that's, you know, I think that's a good summary of what I, what I was interested in seeing in 2021. Um, there's also, you know, some great destination, destination resort news that's come out like uh, just the other day, uh, you probably heard of Cabot Cliffs in Nova Scotia. They're associated with Mike Kaiser and Bandon Dunes. World they just purposed, uh, they just purchased uh, World Woods, which yeah. um, has two courses outside of Tampa, which I've always heard were great golf courses, but terribly mismanaged, no mm-hmm. facilities to speak of, no maintenance budget, you know, just basically great courses that needed some TLC. As, Cat- as Sugarloaf said, TLC. A, a place that they fell in love with, but not a dollar of investment has gone in, in the last 15 years and it's fallen apart, which that's what happens if you don't pay. Yep. For so Cat- yep. So the Cabot group they're talking about, they're actually going to announce uh, in March, they're going to bring in two high profile um, architecture teams. So I imagine Corn Crenshaw, I'd be shocked if they don't do one of the courses. And then you might see like a Tom Doak or a David McClay kid, you know, some of their favorite uh, architects they use um, to come in and, 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 you know, basically tweak the golf, the golf courses aren't the problem. They're great. They just need a little, a little TLC. And then, but the big thing is they're going to, they're going to build lodging. They're going to build a new clubhouse. They're also um, going to potentially build a new golf course. They bought enough land to build a third course so that'll make it a true destination once you have three courses i feel like you're you're in the big leagues uh, in terms of a resort destination and then uh bandon speaking of bandon uh last last point um bandon announced this year in 2021 that they will be building a new part three course so they'll have a second part three course uh tom doke designing that i just love short courses and i'm 100 gonna go play i love them so much so Tom Doak's going to design yeah. a par three course. He designed Pacific uh-huh. Dunes, which is the number two public course in America behind only Pebble Beach. Um, and then David McClay Kidd, who designed the original Bandon Dunes, he's going to do a new 18-hole course across town called, I think it's New River Dunes. Um, so it'll be like, I guess, like 15 or 20 minutes away. But I'm sure in true Bandon fashion, they'll have 
uh, efficient shuttles uh, back and forth to that property. So I'm planning to go every four years with my, uh, I've got an annual golf trip I do called the Open Beer Open. And uh, we've, we loved Bandon so much this past year that we've decided we're going to go every four years at the very least. And uh, so I'll be back there in 2025 and I can only hope those courses will be open by then. Hell yeah. We got to get to Bandon. Yeah. My favorite thing from your review, which um, Shane Bacon said the same thing, but like comparing the shuttles out there to ski buses and ski shuttles is so cool. Like people just piled on these public trans just just like with a, with a golf just with fired just holding your board holding your bag just just grinning all, all, ear to ear at 7 50 in the morning on the way to the lift on the way to the first tee yeah, it's, so it's, awesome. a, it's a pretty unique feeling it's like we're all, it's kind of like this we're all in it together kind of feel you know it gives yeah. it that automatic community feel communal feel and ah what a special place um yeah i'm, I'm super excited to continue to visit more cabot and mike kaiser properties uh, hoping to go to cabot cliffs in 2023 i'm kind of preliminary stages planning that and then sand valley up in wisconsin looks awesome so i think you're going to see you know new course construction um you're not going to see a lot of you know the suburbs are full and and you're not going to see you know the 1960s 70s 80s a lot of neighborhood golf was was built just outside of cities i don't think you're gonna see that much anymore i think in terms of new courses you're going to see destinations you're going to see remote golf built on great land Maybe it's a little tougher to get to, but Bandon has shown that people are willing to make a trip for, for great golf. Big time. Especially in the major metropolitan areas, Philly, New York, Chicago, like they, they have their, their core courses and they're, they're great. You don't need any more golf around there. You've got, yeah. you've got great ones. You've got the, the good ones that are accessible. Yeah. This is definitely the future. I'm excited about world woods. We'll definitely have to go check yeah. that out. I, we maybe can do it before and after. That'd be cool. That would be fun. Yeah. I think they're going to stay up until this summer. And then shut down for, I think the plan is 18 months. They're going to be totally closed. That'd be a really cool. Redoing everything. Yeah. Before and after would be great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to transition us over to one of my favorite topics, which is the Ryder Cup. And uh, this year, and you might, you might be sad to hear this, but I actually have most years rooted for the Europeans. I am. Yeah, no, it's true. Why? It's, it's true. You're, you're I'm not, not going to lie. I understand. I'm not. I'm not I understand not the president's cup. Yeah. So that's the thing. So I grew up because my dad from Australia that like, if I rooted for the U S during the president's cup, I would be, you know, taken out of the will. Like it's just not okay. It's not, it's not okay. You can't do that. So I grew up rooting against the U S always right. have. All right. And, and to my point, Seven of the last 10 years, Europe has kicked the USA's fucking ass in the Ryder Cup. Yeah. There was even like a section where, you know, like past Ryder Cuppers and like, and the guys that were, you know, about to become captain, they were having these meetings where they were trying to figure out team chemistry where they what, could. What were they talking you, about? Who fucking knows? <laughs> Overanalyzing. Exactly. 100%. Exactly. But I honestly and truly can say that I don't think that the year that the Euro- Europeans will win for the next three Ryder cups. And I truly don't believe they will. It's a good number. That's what it it looks like. And the reason I say that is again, I don't know a ton about Marco Simone golf and country club. I don't know a ton about that. I know that Beth Beth page black is a bomber's paradise. I know that a dare manor in 2027 is a bomber's paradise. It's, it's not on the water. It is inland. It is, it is a it is a massive green piece of property where you can just bomb it and hit it wherever the hell you want. And I mean, with with guys on the team like I mean, I'm just going to run through some names: Berger, Cantlay, Deshambeau, English, uh, English. I mean, DJ. I'd love for him to be on the team. DJ, Finau, uh, Kepka, Morikawa, Shoffley, Schefter, Scheffler, Spieth, and Thomas. That was last year's squad. I mean, look, I love uh, Harris English, but like he's kind of the floater in and out. Mister USA, Patrick Reed didn't even play this year. I mean, there's not a name of what I just said that I don't think will be in. Will, they'll probably be all be in the World Golf Hall of Fame. I mean, in I true, I think that every single one of them has a chance to be. And then you look at a European team. Yes, they have young guys like Hovland and Fleetwood. You know, Tyrrell Hatton, Rory McIlroy kind of is fading in my eyes in the world of golf. Like his is. I mean, he hasn't won enough, or he hasn't won. To the extent events, yeah. of what everybody thought he was going to when he was coming out, he had a lot of success early. 
He had that, you know, oopsie at the Masters. And I think that he's kind of got a lot of scar tissue that he's working through. But like guys like Westwood and Garcia and Poulter, those guys are all on their way out of the of the European uh, Ryder Cup team. And, and those are, you know, the heart and soul of that team for so many years. I just think that we're going to see a tide shift between, you know, the U.S. is going to start taking over and, and the Europeans are going to start, you know, somewhat. Yeah, I, that's what it looks like. Right. And um, I, I definitely. <laughs> wait, wait, what? So you don't think Robert McIntyre can. can- Take down the you know, Bryson DeChambeau. <laughs> I tell you, what, if 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 Scotty Scheffler can beat the shit out of J- John Rahm in, in the singles, Robert McIntyre can beat the shit out of anybody else. So you know what? That's 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 my take. What were you that. about to say, John? Sorry for cutting you off. Oh no, you're good. I um I, I agree with everything you're saying, but let's remember when they go to Italy in 2023, it will have been 30 years since America has won the Ryder Cup on European soil. Whoa. So like, yeah, it looks good for us, but until we actually beat them in Europe, that I I guess I've never, I've never seen one then. Well, we just beat them 19 and, or I should say the U S beat Europe 19 and nine. I know that is an unbelievable. And and look, my money right now is for us to get it done in Italy. I'm just saying until you (laughs) put your money where your mouth is and beat them on their turf. You know, Fair. it's all it's all just conjecture. I, but again, yeah. like I was saying, like Marco Simone Golf and Country Club, like that's the one question mark. Like I don't know. That's their best chance of being the U.S. A hundred percent. Will next there three be years. an Italian on the team? There's no way. Who would it be? Unless, oh, unless Frankie oh, comes yeah. comes back around, yeah. yeah, or his brother. I don't know. Maybe his brother's still poking him. I don't even think his, I don't even think his brother's playing golf anymore. I think maybe, he's maybe not. I, I might have made caddying. that. Up. I think he's <laughs> caddying for his brother. No, I think he's caddying for his brother at one point. Wow. I'm pretty sure. Well, Fran, Fran, well, Francisco, I remember, you know, the year he was on a tear and almost beat Tiger uh, yeah. in 19. Yeah. They had they had those photos circulating that day of him catting for his for Eduardo uh, yeah. in the Masters. So, you know, that was kind of cool to see Francisco, you know, in the in the white, the famous white painter suit, caddy bib at Augusta. Yeah, there's, really well. And then and then here he is, you know, taking on Tiger. And legendary and photo. Any, and then he want. clips a tree on <laughs> 15 and knocks it in the fucking water with a wedge. Yeah. That was so depressing. I'm sorry, but like once again, another hot take on Tom. Not a big Tiger fan. Wow. Really? Okay. I, I was. Yeah, I mean, people are probably <laughs> hating me right now, but I was praying. Are you that. trying to make friends or not? This is no. this is crazy. I got I got anti-American, anti-tiger. I mean, I was I was anti-tiger when he was winning everything, but now that he's not, I love him. Rosie, I have enough friends. I want enemies. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So I was total like Francesco Molinari. I was pulling from hard, and that wow. that shot just I mean, absolutely broke my soul. I mean, it made everybody else happy. I watched that you now. Know, in a, during a tournament, and it was one of the coolest moments in college. We were playing like a one day 36 hole event in Philly, and it was like 10 teams. And we were, it was on the Masters weekend. We the entire tournament stopped for the better part of like a half hour. Like no one hit shots. We were all just standing there looking at it. Like we were, we were, I mean, there was two groups in my group just huddled up or on the tee box, just, just watching, cold, just watching Tiger, Tiger play. Team. Yeah, it was so cool. That's pretty sweet. Hey, not to say that I don't like, I'm not happy about what Tiger's done in the game and like, what do you yeah. mean? And I love that. But like, you know, I just like to root against people. It's just the way I, I rooted against him when he was, when in like 08, when I was a kid, I did, I was like, it's ridiculous. He wins every single tournament. It's, it's no fun. Like, you know, he's yeah. going to win. I've, I've gone through phases, you know, I'm uh, for our audience, just a uh, future reference. I'm the old guy in the group. I'm what, 10, 12, maybe 12 years older than you guys. So I, I'm 36. So I, when I was, 12 years old first of all i actually because i was a golf kid i knew about tiger from the us ams you know i watched him beat steve scott i was 11 watching him beat steve scott um you know in the us am final he came down he came back from like i don't know five or six back he well he was down by five through the first 18 yeah and, and then, then you know, lost the first hole, so he went down six, and then I think he came back and, and ended up winning. I think. That's what do you know? You weren't even alive yet. I watch a lot of YouTube. <laughs> I watch a like a lot of YouTube. I do. I used to grow up when I was starting to play golf. I would watch Tiger Woods 2000 and 2001 highlight tapes. Like he loves Tiger Woods. Job. No, I loved his golf swing. <laughs> Didn't love Tiger Woods. I loved his golf swing. 
so I would just just make I, I figured that if I watched it enough times that I could repeat it, which is not true. But you know, it was it was a good thought. I thought, yeah, yeah whatever, it was okay. Well, I was yeah, I was I was twelve when he won in ninety seven. Um, very impressionable age, and I was really starting to you know get super into golf. So I'll always you know be thankful for him for spurring me on, inspiring me, all that corny stuff, you know. But it's true, right? I mean, he was exciting. He was. He was it. I mean, I was uh, my I was my first love was basketball, and it still is sort of an, an equal in my mind in terms of sports. I love golf and basketball, and so it was MJ, and then it was Tiger, you know. And um, um, but I but I did sort of I went through a phase, you know, scandal, and then just kind of got tired of some stuff, and you know, from 2009 to 2000. 15. I really didn't give a crap about him. I wasn't really that concerned about him making a comeback. I kind of figured it was done. But on that Sunday in 2019, I was fucking really hyped for him to win. I was at my buddy's house, Mark Karate. We had a we had a nice little master Sunday brunch. If you remember, they were worried about weather, so it was in the morning. Mm-hmm. I um, they really teed off early, and uh, we had some. Uh, Bloody Marys that were labeled Bloody Molinaris and uh, some uh, some pimento cheese. And uh, I was just like four or five of the boys watching, getting absolutely hyped. And uh, that was one of the best sports viewing experiences of my life. Yeah. And circle back to the Ryder Cup. One of my other favorite sports viewing memories of my life was 99. I was 14 years old when the U.S. had that miraculous comeback at Brookline, um, which we'll get to see Brookline again uh here this summer for the U.S. Open, so yeah, we will, which will actually be really fun. I'm pumped for the U.S. Open, and uh, and I, I probably said this on previous podcasts if anybody's listening, but the U.S. Open is by far my favorite event of the year because mm-hmm. I get to watch my favorite golfers suffer like <laughs> I do every day when I go out and try and play golf. <laughs> That's it, really not a hot take. That's like what everybody says. Yeah, it, it's not a hot take, but like. I just, I just love it. Like I love watching somebody miss a two footer, like downhill left to right, miss it high. And then they've got eight feet coming back. Like that is the best. I love it. That. Is, that sounds it is. a bit like top top. That sounds a lot boxing. like my rounds of golf. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> why. It's more, it's more relatable to the general public. Correct. Exactly. Right. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to part one of our first round table. Be sure to come back next week and listen to part two and do not forget to sign up for swing you premium. Mm-hmm.